This morning we have an opportunity to have some missionary partners with us. They're going to be sharing. We have some from the Philippines, some from West Africa. We have some from Brazil and Mexico that could not be here with us this morning. But we're going to take a moment to, um, to have a conversation about what God's doing there. And uh, you'll be able to engage them more also in the lobby. But before we do that, I'd ask you to just to grab your Bibles and turn them to the book of Psalms, Psalm 67. We're going to look at a brief passage and kind of frame the conversation of missions, I think. Um, you know, when the, it's easy sometimes if somebody asks you, you know, what is, what is missions or anything about the church? What is baptism or what is this? It's easy to look at how we've practiced it or how the church has taught about it or how the church has done it and try to derive what meaning we have from that. But how many know the church can be fallible, right? right? We can miss it. So theologically, when you ask what is blank, you start with what does it mean to God? What does God mean by this? And then once we have a better understanding of that, then we can measure are we practicing it in a way that's faithful? But if we start by just looking at what we do or what we've always done, then we can end up thinking we're being faithful and wind up one day and realize we're not. So I want to kind of frame missions theologically, which means we're going to start with what does it mean to God? What does it mean to God? So Psalms chapter 67, we're going to read just verses 1 through 5. So Psalm 67, verses 1 through 5. May God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face to shine upon us. Selah. Pause. Reflect on that. Why are we asking this? <clears throat> that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us understand your heart in it. We are um, bombarded with the opinions of men. So would you allow this time to be, would you allow the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to please you? May what is said today Bring honor and glory to you. I take a moment and pray for those serving our children and D-Kids and D-Kids Junior. Would you bless them? We pray for our kids. Would you give them a heart to know you and to walk in your ways? May they be familiar with your ways and intimate with your presence. May you bless those who are serving them. And here, Lord, again, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in a very short moment in a time, I'm going to try to sum up some missions, so bear with me. The thing about um, missions is this. The one unifying and underlying theme that unites the entire Bible from start to, fish, start to finish is that God has his own mission. God is on his mission. In fact, if you would just put that up, that God's mission to redeem the world from sin and death is the one unifying and underlying theme in the entire Bible. From start to finish, God is on his own mission. So listen, it's not as much as that God is trying to find a mission for his people. It is that God has called out a people for his own mission. 
and that is to redeem the world. So the church is all, we're all called to be missionaries. The church is a missionary, but there are those that God calls among us with different and more focused um, um, callings in that arena. When you think about it, from the very beginning, when God calls Abraham in Genesis 12, he tells him he's going to bless him, that through him, all the families on the earth will be blessed. In other words, God's people have always been a people who've been called out from the world, but for the reconciliation of the world. We've been called out from the world for God's own mission that he might redeem the world back to himself. That's why we exist. So everything that we do needs to be seen and understood inside of that, the fact that God has his own mission. We might have particular parts in a particular area of that mission, but God has his own. And in this passage, we see a couple things I just want to point out because sometimes um, missions can be talked about as either it's optional, it can be talked about in a very legalistic way. I want to talk about missions in the way that I feel like the Bible presents it, and that's actually in a very joyful way. We find here in these passages that, first of all, God desires to be known. If you look at verse 2, that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among the nations. God, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one that was incarnated in Jesus Christ, is not content with being known from afar. He's not content with people just coming and worshiping and praising him and then going back their way. He wants to know us. He wants us to have a deep and meaningful relationship with him. In fact, that word know in, in this passage uh, in the Greek Sept Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, uses the word gnosko, which is the same word it uses to talk about how a husband knows his wife. That God wants to know, he wants to be known. And that's really good news. Because the God of love, he doesn't just want to be worshipped, he wants to be known. And we know him in this passage by learning his ways and walking in them. That we might know his ways. The second thing that you see God desires is not only to be known, God desires to be praised. Now look, <clears throat> worship is, um, let's put it this way, worship is about where you ship your worth. Right? Worship is about values. Where do we place our value? And we are to worship God, but we worship, we tend to worship God throughout the Bible. The word uses the word worship really to talk about worshiping God for who he is, his character. He's holy. He's, he's none other. He's powerful. He's, he's nothing like us, thank God, right? Um, it, 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 we worship him for who he is, but the times you see the word praise show up, it tends to be people praising God for what God has done or is doing for them, it is deeply personal. It's usually a celebration of this is what God has done. So not only does God want to be known, but God wants to be um, praised because he wants to, have, he wants to act in our lives in such a way that we actually have something to go before him and say, we praise you because you have done this in my life. Amen. That this God is not just wanting to know us. He wants to be actively, actively involved in our life that results in praise. So you might put it this way, praise tends to be celebrating what God has done and worship being more of valuing who he is, his character. But God wants to be praised by the nations because he intends to do good things among the nations. The third thing we see here very quickly and one that may be a little um, uh, difficult for us to understand, but God desires to be enjoyed. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. The word glad, that's not some superficial materialism that we're kind of happy because we found a parking spot on the front row. 
This is a deep, eternal delight in God's goodness towards us. That God wants all the nations, all the people of the earth to come and enjoy him. In fact, the Westminster Confession, uh, a Protestant, if you would, declaration of faith, they ask a question, what is the chief end of man? In other words, what's humanity's ultimate purpose? The Westminster Confession, what is the chief end of man? And after all the, the theological debate and all the church uh, ecclesi uh, uh, ecclesiastical fathers working through all of those things, here's the answer. What was the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. What's the ultimate goal of my life? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. If you want to see what you're glorifying, look at what you're enjoying. Where's your delight? I should have told myself that yesterday at about 1 o'clock. <laughs> but the good news is this. God is for our joy. And he's also for the joy of the nations. And that's why God desires to be known in a particular way. In this brief passage, we see three things. God desires to be known as a God of justice. Listen, it says that he would judge, in verse 4, that he would judge the peoples with equity. Look, Judging is a form of ruling. It's a function of ruling. If you have dominion, you have to make some judgments. Now, we tend to think about judgments in a negative sense, but a, ju a judging can be seen actually quite positive when you realize at the core of what judgment is, it is to put things back to right. It is to set it back to, to being equitable. It is, it is saying there is a judge who, might, who can come and who will put things back to right. That's really good news. A brief uh, story, I've told this before, so if you heard it, uh, listen again. Uh, there's not another option right now. But it's the best example I have of it. Years ago, I, I randomly had this rash break out on one side of my body. So bad, I wanted to scratch it with a fork. I mean, I was just like, it was bad. It, oh, it was horrible. But it would bleed there for like an hour, big whelps, it would disappear. Then it would come back down on my leg, and then it would come back on my back, and then it would disappear and come back. And I tried, you know, all kinds of things. So I called my mother, who's here, my mother is a... A nurse practitioner, I said, help, <laughs> you know, I, I need some help here, what could it be? And after we went through the laundry list of, you know, is it, you know, your detergent, is it, have you eaten anything unusual, yada, yada, she asked a passing question, have you taken any new medication? And I said, no, I've taken the same medication, but I got it filled at a different pharmacy, and it came in a different color package. And she asked me the question, is it a time-released medication? And I said, yeah, it's a time-release. She said, I bet you're allergic to that, so when it's releasing, you're breaking out, then it goes away. And it releases again. Now look, here's my point. I was in pain and misery. Like I, I was like scratching and then praying to die. I mean, that's basically the way that went down. Um, here's the deal. I called my mom and what I did not need from my mother is, don't worry, son, I will love you no matter how much that rash hurts. I didn't need her love. I needed her judgment. I need you to make a judgment about this so I can be healed. I need you to take a look and think about what it could be and make a judgment that I might be well. You see, in order for God to restore, there has to be a judgment about what needs to be restored and how that happens. So that's why the psalmist would say several times, Arise, O Lord, and judge the earth that the oppressed may go free. That judgment is that putting back to right. So God wants to be known as someone who can come and put things back to right. God wants to be known also that, uh, that a God of power, not just a God of, of uh, justice, but a God of power. Uh, he has the saving power in verse 2, but he also guides the nations. Just think about it. This God is the God who can lead an entire group of people through the wilderness and provide for them and bring them to the promised land. He wants to help guide the nations. And if you don't think this is relevant, turn on the news. Yeah. 
we need God's judgment now. We need God to make some judgments about some stuff because we're not smart enough. We need God to intervene in certain areas. We need God to guide nations, and he desires to do that. And the last thing we see here in the real crux of this is God wants to be known as a God of grace. Verse 1, may God be gracious to us and bless us. But notice, just as it was for Abraham, I will bless you that through you all the families of the world may be blessed. It is God, bless, uh, be gracious to us, bless us, make your face shine upon us, that your way may be known in the earth. If you can hear anything, hear this. God intends on blessing his people so that through his people, the nations would be glad. And if you're wondering where God's blessing is, I might ask you, how are you doing in participating in his mission? Because if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. But if he can't get it through you, he might pause on getting it to you. Because sometimes the only way he can redirect our souls is through suffering. So sorry about that. I know everybody's excited about that one. So we all want the blessing of the Lord, but the blessing of the Lord, this graciousness and blessing and this face shining upon us, this favor is for the nations of the world to come and be glad and sing for joy at God's goodness and his good care. So the takeaway today is God blesses us that the nations might be blessed. So how are we doing personally at taking God's blessing that's on our lives and transitioning that, that through us, the nations of the world will be blessed. Well, we're going to share with you a little bit of ways that your partnership here at Destiny and our partnership with um, mission work around the world is uh, doing just that, helping the nations be glad. Let me just give you this, um, our GP2RL, I'll repeat it uh, at the end, but I just want you to see it. This means God's presence to real life, and it's kind of our little, this is what we could focus on this week. You're going to meet uh, our missionary partners in just a moment, and I'm going to ask you uh, in your, uh, the little note cards in the back, if you grab them, it has a list of the, the missionary partners that you can begin to pray for. I'm going to ask you to pray for them, but then I want to ask you to do something personally. I want you to consider how God has been gracious to you and find somebody you can tell about that this week. How has God been gracious to you? And just find one person you can tell that to. I'm not saying give them a track. I'm not saying force them to have a decision. I'm saying how God has been gracious to you and share that because good news is good to tell. And we want to tell about how God has been good to us. So what we're going to do now is we're going to have a little bit of an interview style. We have a couple of uh, uh, missionary partners that couldn't be with us, the, the Diaz family in, um, in Brazil and then we have the crows who, uh, uh, in Mexico. They're, they've sent us some videos. We're going to show those. And then we're going to invite, um, and I'll introduce them in just a moment, uh, two of the missionaries that we support to come up. Uh, and we're going to have a little interview style uh, for them. So would you please watch these two videos as uh, I invite our missionary partners up and uh, the chairs and all the rest to come. And uh, we'll, we'll prep this up here while you guys watch these videos. Hello everyone, this is Johnny Diaz from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and this is my wife, Juliana Mello. Hi! And we are from SOS Brazil Kids, and we want to introduce ourselves and what we do here in the city of Rio de Janeiro for y'all. We are an organization that we care for kids. We take care of kids in the slums and vulnerable areas in Rio from the ages of 5 years old all the way to 18 to their first job. They are not orphans. They just have neglected parents. And we are here to help the parents improve them 
in all the areas. We want to thank you all for the all the support. We want to thank you guys uh, for this opportunity to introduce ourselves. And we want you to know more about SOS Brazil Kids. We have a webpage, sosbrazilkids.com. And we also have Instagram and Facebook, at SOS Brazil Kids. If you can log in and follow our page, what we're doing here in the city of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and be part. Thank you very much for all the donations. Thank you very much for everything you guys are doing for us. Uh, we appreciate it. It, it. You guys are making our life our work here being wonderful. And thank you very much. You guys are part of this. And if you want to be part here in Brazil, you can come and be a missionary in this area. Thank you very much. And we hope to see you guys here in Brazil to be part of what we're doing. Come to Brazil. Vem to Brazil. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
they have a beautiful work, and they are raising up children that uh, some of them don't have mothers and fathers because of the AIDS epidemic in Africa, um, and then some of them are just underprivileged and malnourished, and so they help with infant feeding programs and children that are at risk of malnutrition. Uh, they also have a sewing center that uh, young girls can learn how to sew and then sell their wares, which is a really big deal there. And I don't mean to take all of, all of the things that you want to say, so I, I'll, I'll go on. Uh, Daryl and Denise Hutto, I've known them my whole life. I can remember them coming to um, my children's church class when I was a little girl, and I was just in awe of their stories and all that they were doing. And we just reconnected in these last few months. And so we're, we're super excited that they're here. It's hard for me to say that they go to the Philippines because they are really everywhere. They go everywhere. Their hands are in many, many different things all over the world. And they are really uplifting and supporting the missionaries that are on the ground, the locals that are doing the work in the nations, and they're funneling funds and resources and helping with projects uh, all around the world. And I know they'll be able to tell you more as well. So. Yeah, it's a good Thank crew. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for being here. Would you mind handing them, we'll hand it to these two right here, Jill and Seraphim. Would you guys start with a question, question B? Would you tell us how, um, <clears throat> how God really started the mission work that you're doing? Um, give us a little bit of context, history, things like that. So glad you're here. Yeah, thank you for having us here. Um, Tree of Life USA is the name of the nonprofit that exists here in the United States. And it was started by a couple who live in Ohio. Their names are John and Ashley Barkas. And she had traveled over with a college group from her when she was in college in Ohio. And the missionaries there didn't really know what to do with her. So they dropped her off at an orphanage about two hours away from the city. And they were like, we'll see you in two weeks. And she fell in love with the kids there uh, and really just... It changed her life. She came back, and her and her husband moved over there, started this nonprofit through a series of ways that only God can work. I ended up over there as well in 2012, so almost 14 years ago, and um, started working alongside them. They were working at an orphanage at that time. We no longer have an orphanage. Uh, it looks a lot different now. We'll talk about that, I guess, with the next question. So... I got started because I knew some friends of some friends, and it was already an existing organization. And as Megan mentioned, Seraphin is from there, so I'll let him tell a little bit about how he got involved with the organization. Well, uh, thank you for having us. <clears throat> thank you for having us here today. And as my wife already explained, there are a lot of stuff happening in West Africa, and I can say I witnessed a lot of it in several kids, for example. They will die without any help at some point. I vividly remember there was this girl who needs a blood. Actually, they don't even have anyone to take care of them. You have to run to the hospital. There has to be someone doing that, actually. So I remember that day I was going there to get the blood with my wife. We weren't together at the times, but we were going to the hospital. We were running for the blood so we can find the blood for that girl. And I can also remember a lot of those moments where there are a lot of people who need help, and with the help, that, with the help of Tree of Life USA, 
they have hope they can keep going to school. Some of them, when they're in the needs, or they're, they're sick and they need to be taken care of, the ministry is there, and by the help of God, they can have those help and keep going. Excellent. Yeah, would you mind just passing <clears throat> Would you guys mind sharing with us how God uh, really started? Do you guys in the mission field and what's going on? I mean, that's the next question. Uh, I met Denise, my wife, in 1979. We were in Bible school. And she was always telling everybody, I'll never marry a missionary. And so when we, when we started getting together, they were saying, you know he's going to be a, a missionary. You know that, don't you? So we were married in 1982. And at that point, the Lord spoke uh, a rhema word into our heart, and that was reach the unreached. Uh, I can't tell you what happened. That was like a... Uh, a, a powerful something uh, came into us from the Lord to to reach these that do not know Jesus Christ in remote areas. And so that's been our concentration from after we were married, we went to Alaska. Uh, we worked with a, a missionary there in the Cusco River, uh, reaching the Eskimos from the fish camps. We were there seven months. Uh, that was our training ground 101, fresh out of Bible school. Uh, and then from there, we went to uh, the Philippines. The Philippines was uh, something that the Lord had put in my heart. And um, we went and began doing uh, crusades. Uh, you know, I, I was passionate. My dream was to reach every person in the Philippines to Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, when he does that, he does it big. You know what I'm saying? And so we were doing crusades, and we saw the needs of the pastor. We started having pastor conferences um, and then the Lord began to do, we started church planting. Um, we saw the need of the children, of neglected children. We built an orphanage. We established a Bible school. But, um, and then we, we, the Lord began to put in me, uh, both of us, uh, different countries. And we never asked the Lord where to go. Uh, Jesus said, follow me. And uh, that, that has been a key to us. We've, we've never said can we go there or there? No, we've, we've always followed his leading, and it's been very fruitful. And so uh, right now we're working in 13 countries, um, and, and this is just a joy, and we're just getting started. Yeah, my introduction into the mission world was really quite wild. Um, I had never been out of the United States, so when we left for the Philippines, we didn't know where we were going. We didn't know where we were going to stay, except that we were going to the country of the Philippines. So when we got through missions, I mean, got through the uh, immigration, we're standing in line, and as we go out the door, Daryl had no idea to do with this new and newlywed wife, nowhere to go, what am I going to do? It's midnight, and I don't know where I'm going. So when we got, when we got to the front of the, airport, of the airport, there was a person standing there with, with our name on it. Now, Hutto is not a common name. So they had our names, Daryl and Denise Hutto, H-U-T-T-O. And Daryl walked up to him and said, well, I'm Daryl Hutto. And uh, he said, well, I'm to take you to where you're supposed to stay tonight. Well, we went with him. Didn't know him, didn't know anything. <laughs> but we went. And so I'm just following my husband. He's supposed to know it all, and I know nothing. So I, I just followed him. I did have 
had peace. You follow after peace. I didn't understand. You were being it. irresponsible. I didn't understand it, but I was following peace. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. But anyway, we got in the, we got in the vehicle and we went with them. And long story short, uh, I laid there that night when they when we got to this. And by the way, the vehicle was a black Mercedes Benz, black. At night, we got there, went to sleep. Well, we tried to go to sleep. Yeah, right. He took us to our room. He said, I will see you in the morning. Your, your, uh, your host will see you in the morning. So I laid down, and all of a sudden, I began to cry uncontrollably. What have I done? you got to understand, I'm new, brand new, a newlywed, and I go through a third-world city at midnight. I see children where their bellies are out farther than their feet. I see children asleep in garbage dumps. I see babies wrapped in a paper sack, sleeping in the arms of a mother who is out completely, and the baby is rolled over into the, into the gutter. Okay, there's so much that I took in. I was just overwhelmed. And when I got to the room that night where we were staying, and I laid there, it, it just overwhelmed me, and I began to cry. Uh, the bed was shaking. Daryl didn't know what to do. What to do. How am I going to con console my wife? I don't know, you know. So we just trusted the Lord. We really, and I can remember thinking, Lord, I just, I have to have something. And I demand the peace that goes on the call that you have on my husband's life. We're one. And I demand that peace right now. And do you know, just like that, it flooded over me like waves coming into the Miami beach, which if you've seen those waves, they're waves. And I've had that peace ever since. Amen. Amen. So good. Why don't we start here since you guys still have the mics. But what do you see God doing right now that really excites you uh, in where you guys are or ministry? We are equippers. And we are so excited because um, recently for the last, last four years, we've had the opportunity to reach tribal groups unreached by the gospel. Phenomenal. Uh, in one of our outreaches, uh, a young man, his name was Rafi. He was a, a Bukidnan tribal young man. Way up in the mountains, a uh, two-day hike in the mountains where he lived. And uh, he would come down to the city to sell their uh, rice and corn. One of our Bible school students met him, befriended him, ended up leading him to Jesus. He told him, Rafi, about Denise and I. He started coming to the Bible school that we have in the Philippines. Well, anyway, we were invited to go to his tribe. First foreigner ever to go to this tribe. And to make a long story short, um, we take the, the trip up there, and um, Rafi's family are born again. The witch doctor in the barrio was born again. He had a high fever. He was healed. He experienced the power of the Lord. When we went there, I, they had a, a, a seven chiefs, Bukidnan chiefs, waiting to meet us. And they chant like the Indians, hey, yeah, hey, like that, you know what I'm saying? They chant. And they were introducing themselves, telling them their hardships. Um, and then I, I said, okay, Lord, you know, what, what do you want me to say? Well, I introduced myself, and I, I just started out saying, God's heard your prayer. He sent me to give you a word. And I began at Genesis with creation. And I told them about they were not by accident. 
how he, they were created with a purpose and a destiny. I talked about everything. Went through Genesis all the way through, quickly as I could. Uh, four of the seven chiefs received the Lord. Well, when that happened, they said, we, we want you to come back. And, um, oh, yeah, and, and right after that, I had an open vision. I saw in right here, just like I'm looking there, I saw a facility, and it says Topaz Tribal Center. And so I asked, them, I asked those chiefs, I said, would you like to have a facility where you can learn more about the Bible, the Word of God, and the Creator? And they said, well, we need to talk to our our, our uh, what do they call them, Denise? The, uh, the tribal council. Well, after that, uh, we went back to the Philippines. They had scheduled a meeting, and we met with 30 chiefs, 30 chiefs. The one who has received the Lord, the, the elder, he said, Daryl, tell them what you told me. I started from Genesis, went through the same thing. Most of them received the Lord. And they said, now, we want you to come back. We want you to go to our, our tribes and teach our people this. I was so excited. These are 30 uh, chiefs, 30 uh, barrios, and we could plant a church. Well, I, I'm, I asked him, I said, um, we have a Bible school. I said, we want to send some of our students to help. How many people are you how many adults are we looking at? How many children? So I can send children's teams, teams for adults. And he said, um, you give me a little time, I'll get back with you. Well, it turns out to be that this is over uh, 30,000 people. And it's not 30 tribes. These 30 chiefs represented, uh, uh, they, they were called chieftains. They oversaw over 300 tribes. So we've had an open door. We built the tribal center. The tribal center is now a Bible school training these Bikindan tribal people to go to their tribes to plant churches. So we have four churches planted so far, just beginning, but the Lord is doing a magnificent work. So we're, to answer your question, the Lord has been opening up tribal areas in not just the Philippines, but in different countries that we're, we're targeting. Thank you. Thank you. Denise, you have something you'd like to share? Well, what I... Is this on? on okay. Just keep going. <laughs> One thing I think that is most beautiful thing about reaching people, and we're talking about the tribal people, is the fact that um, in the nations that we go, we raise up the nationals to reach their nation. They live there. They're going to always live there. That's where they live. And so we send teams in that have been through the Bible school that go up into those tribal areas, and they do everything from witness, teach, train, to help to, uh, to build the church and, so, and to establish. And they, they're willing to go up there and to stay for a couple months. And it's a very difficult hike. These Bukidnan tribes are very high in the mountains. Amen. But it's Amen. nationals reaching their nation. And I just think that's so beautiful because it's not about us. It's just the Lord says, go here. I want you to do this. I'm opening this door. I need this done. Okay, go move in. Do it. When he says to move somewhere else, know enough to hear him and just say, okay, Lord. And our name is not on anything. We're Grace International. Yeah, God sends us and we go. 
But I think that that's the same with all of us everywhere we are every day. Yeah. Whether we're in Walmart or where we are, we're there to train a nation. We're there to be the light. We're there to be the salt. And that's all we're doing. So don't put us on a pedestal. Don't think it's something wild and wonderful. It's just like Pastor was saying earlier today. You know, it's not... It's all of us working together. There's some that are sent to a particular area. Just remember when he says, okay, I want you over here in this area now. Leave that area and go where he says. So if we all stay where we can hear him, we're going to do the will of God and fulfill the commission, right? Let's all say yes. Amen. (laughs) Thank you. You want to pass it? Would you guys mind answering that same question? What excites you the most right now? uh, What you see God doing? So the the Lord is still very much at work as well in this small village in West Africa. I no longer live there long term. We live in Broken Arrow, um, but there's a missionary couple that is still there. We travel back and forth. John and Ashley, the founders, travel back and forth. There's still incredible work happening. Two of the things that excite me most are our education program. School started in Benin about uh, a month ago, in mid-September. They start about a month after we do. And through our program, over 300 kids are able to go to school who would otherwise not be able to go to school. So something we have found um, through our work with the impoverished is that education can break that curse of being impoverished, and um, it gives them a chance to provide for themselves in their future. So we really believe in the power of education, and we've been able to send over 300 kids to school again this year, and we have kids who are now in university. We've watched them grow up from when they were in elementary Mm. school. University is expensive, so that's, you know, being a newer nonprofit, we're experiencing these growing pains, but the Lord is very faithful, and it's exciting to see his faithfulness in that. So we have seven kids that are in university that we support completely, meaning their room, board, everything, all of their school fees. So that's exciting to see. One wants to be a doctor, one wants to be a lawyer. And like you said, they're going to change their nation, and we believe that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that's very near and dear to my heart, and I'm going to let my husband after me talk about our youth group program that we have that ministers to Muslim teens in our neighborhood. Um, I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner by trade. And uh, when I lived over there, through the course of many different um, events that kind of came our way, it became very obvious that the maternal death rate is very high in West Africa. There's not access to adequate health care. And as Seraphim was mentioning earlier, it's just difficult if um, something arises out of the ordinary, meaning blood is needed or things like that. And um, I... We were getting all of these babies coming our way whose moms had died in childbirth. And I was like, well, we'll feed them. And Megan and Randy were there kind of when that started. Let's get them formula. Well, then the next week, there's two other babies showing up. The next week, there's three babies showing up more and more. It's multiplying. And I just remember thinking, we're not going to be able to afford this. This is when I lived over there. I don't want to take money from the kids who need to go to school, who need to be fed. I want, I want to see the Lord provide, and I just trusted him in that. And today we have over 80 babies who come every single week to receive formula. We walk through their first year of life with them. We've trained nationals to walk beside them, oh, to beautiful. learn how to care for them, to weigh them. They're cared for by a family member. So they come, they receive formula, they're kept in their home environment. And we're watching them grow and we're watching them thrive. And that's exciting. 
our youngest ones from when we started back in 2017, 2018, they're now in our school program. <laughs> yeah. So they've grown up there in kindergarten and first grade. And so they're not getting formula anymore, but they come and they say, I need a backpack. And we are thankful to give them a backpack and walk beside them and make sure that they have mm. everything they need. Mm. Beside the school, the schooling and also the baby program, I can also say that there are a couple of older people, like even mom, dads, who their, their situation is pretty is really difficult. For example, there's this uh, Papa Grass, and we have his picture out there, and he's make a lot of bags and stuff now. Uh, his wife died. He has almost four or five kids, six kids with him. And he doesn't have any job, like uh, something that he can provide for those. So the Tree of Life Mission Ministry also helps those kind of people so they can have what they need. And besides that as well, something that's, that is, I, find, I find really interesting is like a, the youth group program. This couple who are staying there now, Justin and Rachel, not just these kids who need the help to go to school or whenever they are sick, they need, to, they need some help so they can feel well. That creates a great opportunity to help them. But it is also a great chance for us to introduce the Bible, the words of God to them, to spread the gospel as well to them. Because we live in a community where like the majority of them, they are all Muslim and like uh, literally not just a lot of Christians around. So as we are helping them as well, they also have this program where they come to the youth group and they will pray, praise God, they sing, they dance, they will have a meal and then they will share a story from Bible or they will have some message for them. And those kind of stuff are all happening there and I think they are really exciting. Mm, so good. Thank you. No. You wouldn't mind giving that one. Isn't it? <clears throat> I know you mentioned you, uh, you guys aren't you know, heroes or anything like that, but in a world where, at least in the West, people are celebrated for how many clicks or likes they have, um, it's important to give honor or honors to. And so thank you guys for what you do. Um, it's a privilege to partner with you and uh, you challenge us. They're going <clears> to <throat> they're gonna hang out here for just a second. We're going to pray over them in just a moment. And I, I would actually ask you guys to be thinking, I would like you to pray over us um, as well. But we're going to show a very quick um, Destiny Mission video. And then uh, Megan and Randy would like to give you guys some info about what's, what's coming. A missionary is a person who has answered the call of God on their life in the context that actually aligns with their giftedness. I think a missionary is anyone who's willing to step out of their comfort zone and into the things that God has for them. Everywhere it is, the church is to be lived, set, like it's on mission. A missionary is you, me, us, applying our gifts and talents that God has given us into different areas of our lives. I think that followers of Jesus are supposed to do missions. In the Gospel of Mark, it talks about that we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so we're all supposed to be missionaries, no matter where we are. I believe missions is important for 
many reasons, but primarily to, again, share the love of Jesus with people who may or may not have ever had the opportunity to hear about him, to hear about God, to hear about the death of Jesus and his resurrection. One of the uh, beauties of mission work when you go and actually purpose a trip of some sort is it is more blessed to give than receive. So you go and you do a great work and you encourage others, but because it's more blessed to give than receive, it actually enriches your life even more um, than it does those that you're ministering to. We participate in missions because it is a command of Jesus Christ. I believe that missions is so important because it's an opportunity that is so multifaceted. So it's an opportunity to enrich another place. It's an opportunity to make connections with people because God is always after the one. I think everyone and anyone is supposed to do missions, whether giftings you have from the smallest project to the, to the grandest scale. It's definitely a teamwork and the work of the entire church to be, to be missional-minded and to be either supporting missions or going yourself. Um, we're all called to do something. I think the primary purpose of a short-term mission trip is to establish relationship and really importantly to uplift those who are on the ground and doing the work on a daily basis, those who know the language and know the culture. I, I want to, as Americans, as spirit-filled believers, go and empower the work of the ministry around the world and just be a blessing to the ministers that are already on the ground. Psalms 2, verses 7 and 8. I will declare the decree, says the Lord unto me. You are my son, this day I have begotten you. Ask me, and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance and the utmost parts of the earth for your possession. Absolutely, it is worth the investment, the time, and the prayers to experience something that life-changing. Missions is irreplaceable as far as experience goes, and I would just encourage you to consider it. And also consider your children joining you and even your teenagers because it can truly impact their lives forever. So I would just ask, what comes to mind when you hear the word missionary? And has it, has it ever occurred to you that you are a missionary? Um, it is in every place that you go that you speak Jesus. And we have the opportunity to uh, partner with going to the nations. And um, Randy and I want to share with you today about how you can get involved with um, giving, how you can get involved with partnering uh, with our missionaries and with what we're doing, and then how you can also serve. So um, we want, uh, Randy and I are, are attempting to be a bridge between believers and the kingdom builders that are around the world. Um, and I always, always think it's interesting that, you know, we as Americans, we sit, we sit in a place of, of privilege and wealth. Um, we, we're sitting in our million dollar buildings while sometimes there are believers meeting around the world on this very day 
that meet in grass huts. And I don't mean that to shame you or criticize you because I also really love running water, electricity, <laughs> air conditioning. I think all of that is wonderful and I have all of that in my house. Glory to God. Uh, <laughs> glory, yes. Um, so it's, that's not a criticism of us, but it's, it's an attempt to perhaps get us to see that um, much has been given to us. And I think with that, much is required. Um, so there tends to be this inequitable distribution of wealth in the body of Christ, and that, I want to make it clear, that's not a political statement, okay? That's a kingdom statement, and that's a call that lays on us a burden to do more, and to go, and to serve, and to give. Um, and I think that it's important that we as Americans remember that philanthropy Ministry is not the responsibility of the government. It's the responsibility of the church. And um, I got the statistic off of givingwhatwecan.org. If you make $30,000 a year, you're in the top 5% of wage earners on the earth. Actually, top 4.7, I think. Um, you are richer than over 95% of the world. And I know that some of you may not feel like you're all that wealthy, and $30,000 a year certainly doesn't get you very far living in the U.S., but I think that it's so important that we let that sink in, that we are so blessed. And if you've ever been anywhere other than the United States, you know it, because you've seen it firsthand. And I know that when I went to Africa for the first time to live there, I came back and just wanted to cry and cry and cry when I got home and would hear my, my friends complaining about, you know, not having the money for this or that or buying their second vacation home or all of these things. And it's like, we're just so blessed. And I, I don't think that we fully realize what we're capable of in terms of the difference and the impact that we can make in the nations with, with a small effort, really. Um, so we are called to give. The Bible instructs us, Luke 12, 33 and 34 says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We are the sent ones. We are the go of the gospel, every single believer. And we need to perhaps um, shift our priorities. I love how Pastor's been talking um, about Nehemiah the last several weeks. And he, he said something last week that struck me, or it may have been a few weeks ago. But he's, he mentioned how um, the, the children of Israel began investing in the wall. They, they, they set aside their jobs. They gave of their wealth. And... And they received honor for that. Um, and so I think that it's really important that we, we may have to adjust something. We may have to reprioritize something. It might mean that we make our coffee at home in the morning rather than go through the drive-thru. It might mean that we, rather than go on ex an expensive vacation, we go on a kind of expensive missionary trip. 
Um, and so these are just priorities that you and I can make small adjustments and rearrange, and then suddenly the nations are impacted. And um, I would invite you to think about how you can give above and beyond your typical giving. Um, I, we all should be tithing and giving to our local church here. And um, the church is, they've just begun supporting our missionaries. You, you can give a, a few different ways. Um, if you get on the church's website and go to the missions tab, am I saying this right? You're on it. Go yep. to the missions tab. Um, and it'll, it'll give you the option to give. Uh, and then you would select missions and give whatever amount you see fit. That would, en that would enable your church here um, locally to do more and give more to these guys. The other thing you can do is after service, there's tables set up out there, and those uh, tables are representative of all four of the missions groups that you've heard from today. I would invite you to partner with them personally. That's what Randy and I are doing, um, and there, there's so much power in that as well, to just go to their individual websites, give to them, sponsor a child in Africa, sponsor a tribal center in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. um, there's just there's so much that you can do and so many different ways that you can be an influence and a, a force for good in this good work that is taking place. Yeah, so there are two major impact points when we talk about missions, and Megan just kind of talked about one and focused on, and these guys are the one part of the impact point, which is the people you're going for, or the mission you're going to, or the ground you're going to invest in. But the other impact point that we'll emphasize, too, as we start to form these teams, is you. The scent, or the people that go, are impacted just as much as the people that you're going for. And this is one thing that I learned once our feet hit the ground overseas, and so I want to kind of just speak for that just a second, just to kind of, there's a mentality that has crept into the Western church of kind of an isolated mentality, that it's our own personal relationship with Jesus that's a truth, but to the extreme now that's been applied and accepted in our culture is now we've also become isolated in our mentalities. Is, there's a lot of scripture that, can, kind of, that rubs up against, but the mentality of our personal walk keeps us isolated is something that we have to kind of get out of our comfort zones for. And so one of the things that we immediately come up against is in our normal daily lives is that our Christianity, our Sunday walk, kind of runs parallel with our everyday lifestyle. And so it's not something that really crosses. And we have to purpose praying for somebody at work. We have to purpose our mentalities to for, the, for our Christianity, if you will, for our relationship with God to come in and invade our daily lifestyle, it's kind of a hard push for us to make that cross because we want to naturally in our culture want to Sunday's a Sunday, Monday's a Monday, and we want those lifestyles to be parallel and it's kind of compartmentalized, if you will. And so there's a, two verses in the middle of Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19, Paul's preaching and he's actually a tent maker, if you remember the story, what he does for a living. So he's working with a tent, and in those days you wore aprons and handkerchiefs, and you had your own little Jesus gang headband, you know, 
and, and, and your Jesus gang. <laughs> you had your own little aprons, and you would, you would work on your, your, your craft, and often when you sold your product, if you were a woodworker or something like that, you would put your headband on your product in the marketplace, and that would be distinguished as your product. So you were known by that as well. Interesting thing happens in these two little verses you will bump right over if you don't watch it in the middle of chapter 19. Paul's working on these tents, and what somebody did on a whim was pick up one of his aprons that he'd worked in that day and threw it on somebody that was sick, and they got healed. They took his headbands, his handkerchiefs that he'd worked in that day, and it all of a sudden started healing people. Now, these weren't just divine handkerchiefs that the clergy and the pastor and the, and the elders came up and anointed with oil and prayed over for days and there was fasting. This was something he sweat in that day, building a tent. Let that sink in for a second. What he was working in, his everyday job sweating in, wasn't just sweat in those things. There was presence in it as well. What you do every day, your scrubs, there's not just sweat in it. There's presence in it, whether you realize it or not. And in Acts chapter 19, somebody realized there's more than sweat in that man's apron. There's presence in it. So I want to challenge you. I want to break that. When Megan asked a minute ago, what does a missionary look like? In my mind, you asked me that question a year ago. Two, I say a year ago. Five years ago, it looked like John the Baptist. I mean, some hairy man eating weird things in the side of a street somewhere, and that's just not me. I'm not eating locusts. I'm not going to the middle of a, some country behaving that way. That was what a missionary looked like. It's really not what they look like. Like I said, it's scrubs. It's a baseball hat with mud on it because they've been digging in a trench. So as we get ready for these mission trips, you're going to realize that we're calling not just for eloquent speakers. We need plumbers. I need lawyers. We need teachers. We need hug givers. We need someone who can just cook. Whatever your sweat, whatever your talent, wherever you are, your daily lifestyle, there's not just sweat in it. There's presence in what you carry daily. And that's what we're calling to join in the mission field. That's what makes a missionary. That you take what you are good at every day, your skill you are sharpening every day, and you put that in the Philippines. You put that in Benin, West Africa. You put that in Mexico. And that's what we're doing next year. So as you'll see, we start to get ready for these four trips coming up next year. We'll do community groups leading up to it. We'll talk about what it looks like, the team, what, the, what we're needing, what skills we're needing for that specific group. We may, may need construction men. We may need mechanics. We may need you know, nurses, doctors, more uh, medical field. It, it'll design around your gifts and talents. So look for that, and that's who we're looking for, and that's what a missionary is. So. Amen. Oh. trips are up on our website, they are ready for you to sign up. So there's two things you can do today. You can support financially, you can sign up for trips. There are uh, little posters inside of frames in the lobby with, um, I think it says missions across the top, and you can scan that QR code. It'll take you to the missions tab for the church, and there you will find the link to our website, Ministry Allies International. Click it. That's where you sign up. That's where you look at all the different trips and you can see all the different groups that we're supporting and then you can go and start, start filling out some paperwork, letting us know that you're interested. So good. I remember one time uh, a missionary had a started <clears throat> uh, collecting 
<laughs> if you would, in helping girls that they were finding in being sex, uh, sex trafficked in, in, in Guana. And I remember asking him, do you really think you could stop all of this from happening? And he said, oh, I, I may not be able to, but I know six girls who are free from it. I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to, you know, make the mortality rate of mothers increase in West Africa, but I can work and help 80 babies keep living. I may never climb a mountain and preach the gospel to a tribe, but I can be a part of uh, 300 tribes that will get the gospel preached. So let's not let it be an excuse of what we think we can't do. Let's just do something. I'm going to invite, if you would, uh, our elders. Would you all stand with me? The worship team's going to come. I'm going to invite our elders to come up and pray. If you guys would just yeah, stand here with us, we're going to pray over you. Our elders, as they come, Jim and Diana Howard, um, Jason and Heather Shiflett, Derek and Crystal Wilson, Dave and Lauren Fulford, <clears throat> my goodness, Wade and Jennifer Moore. Yeah, you guys come on. Uh, Ryan and Gina Perry could not be here this morning. Come on up. Would you guys with us just stretch your hands out? We're going to gather around them and pray over them and bless them. We're gonna have, they're going to be in the lobby afterwards where you guys can go by and talk with them personally. We do just thank God for you guys so much. Thank God for you. So <clears throat> uh, where do those mics go? Did we lose them? Would you hand one to Lauren? She's going to take the lead here. Yep. And then after that, I'm going to ask, uh, Daryl, I'm just going to ask you, would you pray over us? As, so if you guys would extend your hand, let's all, let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father God, we thank you so much for the privilege of knowing you, of having you in our hearts. Father God, these people are needing help so that they can take the gospel out to a lost, dying world. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help each person that hears my voice today to understand that they have a purpose, a purpose to support, a purpose to help. And Father, I know that many of these spoke of the children, and you know that will always be my heart. I pray, God, that you would bless these ministries powerfully, the one that needs a new orphanage, the one that needs partners, the one that needs funds to be able to go and take these children and do things with them. Father, we pray that you would love on them and help them. And the verse I want to pray over you, Colossians 1, 9, and 10. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then everything you do will honor God and your life will produce every kind of good fruit. In Jesus' name. Just pray over us. Heavenly Father, you are ours and we are yours. You've called us by our names. You know us individually. Your hand is upon us. You have chosen us to be your ambassadors, your sent ones. We carry the greatest message in the whole world, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
this treasure you have placed into our hands, and we humbly thank you. We will be good stewards of what you've placed in our hands. It is not ours. It's yours. We're only your stewards. And my Father, I thank you for every gift and calling in this body. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to wake them up. They may see the value they are in the body of Christ. That they will rise up and not be dormant, but they'll put their gifts and callings to work to advance your kingdom. For this is our purpose. This is the reasons you give us breath to breathe every day, to seek and to save the lost, to make disciples, to advance your kingdom in all the world. And for this, Father, we say yes. We belong to you in spirit, soul, and body. We will go forth. We will not be ashamed. And we will see great victories because you lead and guide us and you are working your will through us. Father, I bless this congregation, Destiny. And I thank you, Father, that great and mighty things will, will be accomplished because we say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Why don't you just thank the Lord? Thank you guys so much. I wonder if you wouldn't mind just beginning to step down. That way you guys can make your way to the lobby. They're going to be in the back. I just want to remind you of our GP2 RL to maybe grab a sheet that has their name on it and pray for them this week, uh, as well as um, uh, ask the Lord where how he's been gracious to you and share that. I'm going to ask Pastor Chris to come and close us. What a great morning.